0: Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Stories We Don't Tell is a monthly event in Toronto that features candid stories of strength and resilience. I threw out my prayers, they went flying like balloons. The air whipped our
1: hair, we went shooting down the valley. Knuckles gripped upon the handles, shivers rushing down my spine. What's the point?
0: You know what what? Um, when you go to the hospital for a bike accident, a lot of people ask to see your teeth. Why? Because they think that maybe you chipped them and like didn't mention it in your injuries, I guess. Because um, like I had a, a, like I think three people be like, okay, go like this, bear, uh? like bury your teeth at me. Bear your teeth at me. And I was like, okay,
1: okay. Too fair. That should be the name of your memoir. Bare your Brianne teeth at me. Bannath- Benneth, man, <laughs> Benneth, bear your teeth with me.
0: Teeth with me. I'm glad that you didn't think that allergic to bikes was a good memoir title. No,
1: I did. I thought it was amazing,
0: but also misleading.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. But so maybe
0: it would just be a chronicle of bike accidents that have sent me to the hospital. But that wouldn't
1: be enough. You, I see. That would be some filler. and I've then, had a lot
0: of hospital visits from this. Yeah, fair.
1: But like that's. But I feel like it'd only be a valuable memoir if you included the rest of the shit. Mm. Although I would appreciate the. I do. I like the idea of throwing people through a loop and being like allergic to bikes, and I was like, oh, this will be about biking, and then it's just mostly about your dad having Alzheimer's.
0: Yeah, it's like not about it at all. Yeah, and then I start and I open and close in the hospital after falling off my bicycle. That's yeah, beautiful. With the middle cloud. I've had three, but more than three hospital visits because the middle accident had like five hospital visits involved. There's a lot of hospital visits. Yeah.
1: That, you, you know, that one bike accident has to the hospital more times than I've ever been to the hospital.
0: Okay. Stunned face. Yeah. I don't know what emoji that was, but. It's
1: a stunned face emoji.
0: I've been to the hospital a lot, I realize now. Yeah. So lots of fun. Great. Everyone loves the hospital. Everyone loves that. Uh, given
1: that you said that people in now are not worried about you, uh, mm-hmm. you are here and you are fully like...
0: like I'm mobile. You're mobile. Yeah. I so didn't break anything. All right. I didn't have any cognitive impairment. Yeah. So They sent me home that night. Oh, and I took the streetcar. I think I told you this. And right. I took the streetcar and I took my bike on the streetcar and I didn't even realize this, but the chain had fallen off my ears when I had my bike accident. And um, so I was riding the streetcar with my bicycle because I didn't want to ride at home, obviously, because right. I'd just been to the ER. And I still you, had my ER bracelet on.
1: And you had given uh, your helmet to another friend. So you also didn't have your helmet.
0: Yeah, correct. Aaron has my helmet. And um, and so, and then as this person, as she was getting off, she like came up and was like, Excuse me. And she pointed to my gear and she was like, Is it just the gear? And I was listening to a podcast and I had no idea. Like I was so out of it because I'd literally just been to the hospital. And I was like, Sorry. And she's like, is it just that the gear, the chain's off? And I like held up my wrist with the hospital bracelet on it. And I was like, no. It's <laughs> like I just had a bike accident. Please tell me that you had those risk
1: like as you did that, you held it you had a fist, which makes me look like you just looked at her and went, No, and raised <laughs> your fist in her general direction. Yeah, i was just like mm. Which is terrifying. I was just really confused. Then you should have punched her. Because anyway. that would have been
0: shots fired. Shots fired. So this is the Stories Don't Tell Podcast. Welcome. Uh, welcome. You're Stefan. I'm Stefan. I'm Brianne.
1: You are Brienne. Uh, and so we're gonna listen to a story that you told. Yep. Uh, and then we'll ask you some questions about it. Great. So take it away, pass Brienne. <laughs> uh, <Brianne>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: On the night that my mom called to tell me that she had cancer, I was a third of the way into a handle of vodka with Sonia and my roommates. We were pre-drinking some Friday night theme party, as we always did. Maybe we were dressed up and maybe we weren't, but I asked mom to call me back the next day, which is why I don't remember what I was wearing on the night that I almost found out that my mom had cancer. What I do remember, barely, is how many nights Sonia and I spent with a handle of vodka that year. Each of us would usually drink more than half a liter in our quest to prove that Tuesday is the new Wednesday, or that alcohol burns calories, or that we were invincible. We never talked about the fact that we probably both blacked out two nights a week, and we never talked about the fact that we occasionally woke up places that we didn't remember falling asleep, and we never talked about the fact that my mom had cancer. We put on matching Nike sweatbands and went to the gym every single day. No matter how hungover we were, and on Fridays, we'd get a free kids movie from Family Video to watch in the afternoon in a lounge filled with football players. I spent a week at home in November driving my mom to her radiation and chemo appointments. And when I got back to school, I called my friend Abby, sobbing. It all felt like too much. It wouldn't have occurred to me to call Sonia. I don't think she even knows what's going on with my mom, I told Abby. She never asks. But I saw her every day. She showed up without, without fail for our lunch dates, for our gym dates, for our vodka dates. I think that's how she asks, Abby told me. Later that year, my mom went into remission. My dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and Sonia and I discovered that Orangina was the perfect mixer for the paint thinner taste of the vodka we'd been drinking. <laughs> Senior year, we were in the paper twice. Once in a crib style feature profiling the off-campus house that we lived in, and once in an athlete's profile that we shared. Wasn't it funny that we'd both figure-skated and then transitioned to water polo because we became giants and now we were teammates and roommates? We'd fallen into a sort of habit. Fridays we drank. Saturday mornings we went to water polo practice, sometimes with alcohol still seeping from our pores. Saturday nights my responsible boyfriend would corral us both home or he and I would corral her home. And every once in a while she would bring somebody else home and we'd try not to hear them. Sundays, she and I would spend all day on the couch watching Lifetime movies and syndicated episodes of Medium. (laughs) While our third roommate was locked away, studying chemistry and applying to jobs at pharmaceutical companies and the National Institutes of Health, Sonia and I were applying to grad school. She was going to study urban planning in Chicago, and I was going to study architecture in Ann Arbor. We started to share articles we found about census maps, urban blight, the, the enduring legacy of Jane Jacobs. We didn't talk about the fights that we were starting to have when it was time to leave a party, and we didn't talk about the charred dish towel or the wide-open back door I discovered one Saturday morning, and we didn't talk about my dad's Alzheimer's disease. One night on a party, I sat on the steps, and when a friend I hadn't seen in a while asked how I was doing from the step behind me, I leaned back and I made a list of all of the ways that my life was falling apart. Another night, I got home from a party and heard Sonia sobbing alone in her room. The friend I hadn't seen in a while texted me to check in the next day, partly because that list had sounded so overwhelming, but my sober brain had buried it. I hesitantly asked Sonia about the sobbing, but her sober brain had buried that too. As grad students, we began to pack all of our mutual interests into intense weekend visits. A trip to the Frank Lloyd Wright home and studio where Sonia had been a docent, followed by a trip to a downtown bar where they sold tumblers full of booze with a can of mixer on the side for only $4. (laughs) Swimming in Lake Michigan and drunk shopping for matching fluorescent tube tops. Demanding that a group of Irish men at the bar share their fried food with us and getting into a fight about whether or not Sonia should leave me and my overnight bag alone at the bar to go home with one of these Irish men. Outside the relative safety of the small town where we'd gone to college, these blacked-out decisions to make new friends and wander off became more dangerous. One Friday morning in Chicago, three months before my dad died, I emerged from a blackout at an unfamiliar intersection while a man on his way to work asked if I was okay. I borrowed his phone to ask Sonia to leave the Irishman's house and come save me. One Saturday night in Ann Arbor, a month after my dad's funeral, I answered a call from an unfamiliar number to some incoherent mumbling, mumbling, like that, which led me me to Sonia and the man whose phone she had borrowed. We tried to turn these into funny anecdotes for our friends from college, but even we knew they were getting less funny. I made exactly one appointment with a therapist in training at the University of Michigan to talk about grief, loss, and the way I apparently drank to deal with both of them. Sonia's parents made her an appointment with a therapist in their Chicago suburb after Abby called to tell them how worried she was each time we all got together. I didn't hear from Sonia for almost a year after Abby made that call. Sonia is getting married this summer and she's asked me to officiate the wedding. They're already legally married, so it will just be a small informal ceremony for their immediate families. I know that the officiant is nothing like the maid of honor. Nobody expects me to gush about our friendship or their relationship. I won't embarrass Sonia with a lighter version of our story and I won't embarrass myself by trying to explain how there are some friends you can reach out to whenever you need them, but there are other friends who you never have to reach out to because they've always been right there beside you. And I won't pretend to have a friendly camaraderie with the groom who I've barely met. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you, Past Brian. That was fantastic. I'm sitting here with Present Brian, who's going to answer some questions about this. Are you ready, Present Brian? Yes. Question one What's the feeling?
0: So, I think that the feeling for me is helplessness with like a little bit of underlying feeling of like unconditional friendship, which is maybe not a feeling, but like having relationships that are unconditional is a feeling. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But mostly just like life. <laughs> right, overwhelmed face. Yeah.
1: Um, all right. So that's the feeling. Uh, yeah. So then, if that's the feeling you're trying to get get out to get through, uh, then why did you choose this anchor?
0: That is not the order of the questions.
1: Paul didn't ask me mine in the order of the questions, okay. and so I'm Sorry. gonna I'm gonna just I, jump around here.
0: I didn't even prepare answers, but I was still thrown off. Um, why did I choose this anchor? Well, I what I really wanted to talk about was this one friendship and also drinking because they were kind of tied up in each other, not completely, but enough. Um, and so I knew that cause it was, a, I wanted to talk about how, like, as all this stuff was going on, I drank way too much and had no perspective on it at all, partly because it was so normalized and like everyone was, you know, you're like, everyone's drinking a lot. It's fun, but maybe actually like you're drinking way more than them, but you right. don't have any context for it or like you don't have any awareness of it. And, um, so I knew that I wanted to talk about that as a, like, this was happening and I was trying to cope and friendship was difficult at this time like I needed a lot of support um and so I ended up choosing this kind of it's just kind of a chronology like I started in one place and then I ended another place and I give you these little windows into how how things kind of evolved but I to be honest I really struggled with finding it like I I tried to write this a year ago and I didn't so right, right. So I chose it because it was like where I landed that I was able to get something that I liked the most after trying a million other things.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, so actually, actually, the, uh, I was going to ask the change question now only because I know that a big part of that, a uh, big part of that uh, piece originally was your whole Boston trip. Like you wrote a whole piece about this. No, Boston. Sorry, Chicago. Chicago yeah. Uh, you wrote like there were whole there were really full pieces about just this one trip you took to Chicago. Yeah. Which by the end of it is barely in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I think it's it hardly shows up of, yeah, I, in grad school is when that happened. I went to Chicago and I, yeah, got like, we got separated by my own doing basically. Cause I yelled at her aggressively to leave me alone at this bar with no plans. And this guy like found me at, you know, five thirty in the morning. And that was a big, I originally kind of was trying to start there and then maybe end there. And it was like this one moment that on the one hand wasn't that important and nothing happened. And it, it's like maybe it's one of the scarier moments with like clear eyes but also it's not really it's like it was always a little bit like that Mm. it was always a little bit like that and then here's an example of how that played out in this environment basically and um so i was trying to do that but then it because of the setup for it it sounds like it's going to be more
1: right, right, a little bit right. It, it ends up being like it's you're setting up for a very very serious story, but this one thing, yeah. But in reality, it's actually you're covering you're discussing a much larger topic that yeah. this is more of exemplary of rather than yeah.
0: It was trying to be like this is just one example of what things were like, but because of the like situation of it of being like we went to a five a.m. bar and then I was by myself and then my phone was dead and this guy lent me his phone and then I called my boyfriend at five in the morning and then he called my friend like all of the details of how things came out okay. Just like you get lost in them in a way that kind of loses the larger piece, which is just meant to be like you're making really dumb decisions and it's not just because we were young. It's also probably, at least for me, because my mental health was fucked up. Right.
1: Like, yeah, yeah, it's larger. The point, the, the biggest piece of that story is the fact that you're in it, yeah. not that anything else happens afterwards.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, so the ways that it changed is it's like I was, I think – sometimes I would talk more about the two of us. And then sometimes I would talk more about drinking and then I would be trying to find like one story to start and end with. And it just, it never cohered, which is when I ended up, Oh, and then I was also trying to kind of, I end by talking about how she's getting married now in the current version. And I also had one where I started by talking about that, which was like a different way to try to start and end somewhere. Mm -hmm. But then it sounds like a different kind of ominous, I guess. Right. It was like everything that I, when I tried to have it be like starting out in the same place in, it made it seem like that thing was the most important, which usually isn't a problem. I feel like.
1: No, yeah, usually, usually, well, it's it's rare for the start and end piece to to really take over. Yeah. Uh, but like when you start with things like a wedding or like waking up at five o'clock, yeah. five o'clock on, on the side of a Chicago bus, both those two things feel like they're a venue for another thing. Yeah. Rather than the thing that's happening.
0: Yeah, and so it's just like none of these are important, and so now I just start. Now I just start by talking about how my mom's diagnosed with cancer, which like is a big deal, but, but it speaks for itself in terms of gravity. Like it's not something that you hear and then are like, I wonder why that's important. (laughs) It's like you're here and you're like, well, that sucks. Right. It sounds like important context to a different story. Not
1: that we're about to hear a cancer story necessarily.
0: Yeah. Like it could have been, but it it wasn't specifically. So, so that's how it changed. Right. It became straight chronological.
1: Cool. Okay. Uh, well then given the fact that the story isn't about your
0: mom having cancer, yeah. uh,
1: why should anyone care? Great question. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just coming over the top of my head.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, perfect. So the reason that I wanted to tell this story was I actually, what I, I really wanted to call out this just thing about casual drinking. Like hmm. I wanted to talk about my own relationship with alcohol, which has changed so much. And I wanted to make it okay for people to be like, you know, I don't, I don't identify as an alcoholic. I've never identified as an alcoholic, but when I look back at times when I had a lot going on, I notice that the way that I drank was different. Hmm. And like I want it to be okay to talk about that because I I don't think it is. Like there's Be, A, there's like, stigma around addiction, but B, yeah. there isn't room for a middle ground. No, yeah. You're if you're an alcoholic, you're not alcoholic for life.
1: Yeah. You, you were never you were never at one point treating a substance badly. You were you were it's very yeah. much this is it.
0: Yeah, like so in the culture I don't feel like we have a lot of narratives, but there are people that I know and have known where it's like, oh no, you have an addiction. Like you are a classic example of addiction. And then there are other people that I know that it's like oh, you went through a period of time Mm. where, like, that wasn't something that was doing you any favors. right? And so, I mean, I don't drink anymore, but it's actually not related strangely. So, like, I just, I want there to be broader conversations about it. Mm. And that was why I wanted to talk about it. Cool. Uh,
1: Last question. Uh, What would you change now if you could?
0: Mm. So, it's pretty short. Right. And I think that... I would have like one thing that I was really careful about was trying very hard to include my friend in all of this without making any assumptions about her. So something we talk about a lot, right? When you include a second person, like you can't, you can't speak to their motivations. And so I'm trying really hard in this piece to not speak to her motivations or situation or whatever, and just include how she was kind of this person beside me through these things. Um, And so what I would have really liked to do is or what I would really like to do in some mystery time in the future, perhaps her wedding (laughs) uh, in the alternate version where I don't talk about any of this is like flesh out. The other parts of the relationship, like because I was trying to talk partly about our friendship and partly about everything that I was going through and partly about alcohol, it was like a lot of things. But the Venn diagram where those three things overlap is actually relatively small, which is what's in this chronology. Like, this chronology is where those things overlap over Mm -hmm. time. And so I would be interested in trying to not lose what I think I finally found uh, in representing the friendship, but also like give it a little bit more. Like a, th- a more of a third dimension, Right. of like we are both people and had fun as well. I mean, that's kind of in there, but like yeah,
1: but, and there were parts that the there were versions of it before that had much yeah. more of that.
0: Yeah, so just like finding that balance because I think I ended up cutting a lot to because it was distracting. Mm. But like, there's different ways to do that that doesn't involve cutting a lot. Right. So finding that is what I would change. Cool.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much, Brand, for sharing your story. Thank and your, you.
0: And your shots fired thank you stefan
2: you can find us online at thereapers.org because we're in the life collecting business you can like us at facebook.com slash stories we don't tell podcast if you want to
1: help us out you can rate and review us on itunes Thanks to Rihanna for the theme music to this podcast.
0: You can find out more about her in the show notes or at rihanna.ca. This episode of the Stories We we'll Don't Tell podcast is sponsored by EMTs. Sometimes they don't even have a nice back in the ambulance. To